Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your kayak fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. A smash and grab point for United at tabletop is Stevenage, as Joe Garner hits a career goals landmark. We look back on an apparently undeserved 2-2 draw at the Lamech Stadium, before looking ahead to this weekend's trip to Sinsel Bank to face Lincoln City. Just a, a normal, very quiet, boring week at Brutton Park, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Standard. Yeah. Mike, yeah, you know. Yeah. Not, not much happening off the pitch. It's all very quiet there. Of course, it, it's not. It's we, very yeah. nice of them to do it before we've recorded, though. Uh, and I would like to thank them and... You know, anyone who's been involved in helping them with that to get it out on a uh, was Wednesday, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah. Got it out. And we're recording on Thursday, so just in time for us to fit it in. Um, yeah, we will be talking about the uh, Cashel Sports Group uh, statement uh, in a short while. Um, also, obviously, the usual stuff today, we'll be looking back on that uh, two to draw Stevenage, which uh, Steve Evans seems to think we didn't deserve. Um, Looking at this weekend's trip to Lincoln City, including a catch-up with a Lincoln City fan and the usual X-Files and other news and things like that. So yeah, plenty to cover this week, Mike. Um, how have you been getting on? Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, yes, things are looking a bit more positive than when I was last on. Uh, yeah, especially, you know, we've got up a place this week without even playing a game as well, thanks to well, Redden having I, I some points we, deducted. I think we were already ahead of them, weren't we? I think we were already one point ahead of them. They were only on five points, so they've dropped down to two now. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. What a, what a desperate situation for them. It's just mm. that I saw something the other day saying that um, the team that's taken the most points off them in the last few years has been their owner, basically, <laughs> for the amount of points they've had deducted. It's mm. cost them the most points, which is astonishing, really, isn't it, when you think mm. about it? That's mad. Um, yes, so uh, before we get going, just a reminder, of course, that the uh, podcast this season for the four, third season in a row, sorry, has been sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. London Branch have got members all across the uh, the world. You can join them anywhere, wherever you live, whether you live in uh, Liverpool, like us, Liverpool or Formby. If you live in, uh, I don't know... Um, Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida, get yourself signed up. Yeah. Go on, let's get the Piatics. We've been told Piatic is the correct pronunciation, by the way. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, um, but yeah, I did say Istanbul last week, and I did not know anything about this Turkish consortium before I said that, by the way. <laughs> that was just a complete fluke of a choice. But yeah, um, yeah, wherever you live in the world, get yourself signed up to the to London branch. They arrange travel for away games and uh, get tickets as well, and they do a lot of fundraising for the club. If you want to find out more about London branch, go to the website, carlalondonbranch.com. Org, or grab one of the guys at one of the away games. They're usually selling hit the bar, and yeah, they'll be happy to chat you through things. Uh, right, Mike, before we go to news, uh, Dad has done a question of the week for us. Um, so here is the question. One of the most famous games against Lincoln was the infamous Battle of Sinsil Bank in August 2002, uh, a game which Carlisle won 1-0 uh, through Trevor Malloy scoring a penalty which we had three players sent off. Those players being Richie Foran early on, Brian Shelley in 76 minutes, and Trevor Malloy in the last minute. Who were the remaining eight players who made up our starting 11 that day? Ooh, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, 
Tell you what, we won't answer it now. We'll come back to it later in the show to give everyone else a chance to think about it as well. What was that, 2001? 2002. It was just after John Courtney had taken over. Yeah. What I remember about that game is that Darren Kelly was in the away end. He was being paraded because he'd just been signed from Derry City at that point. Mm. So he wasn't in the start 11, but I know he was He was involved that day, uh, that day in the crowd, at least anyway. Um, right, Mike, uh, let's get into the news then. Uh, not really much to cover, is there, to be honest? It's a quiet yeah, we've got week. a new um, head of performance appointed. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the main bit of news first. So, um... This emerged last night. A Twitter account appeared, Castle Sports Group, who are the, um, it's like a holding company, I think, that have basically been set up by the uh, Piatic, and it is Piatic. We have double-checked with mm-hmm. that with the, with the guys at Kiosk. It's Piatic um, family have uh, set up to, as part of their, basically, plans to take over the club. And it just provided a bit more background to us, finally, didn't it? It's, um, it's just nice to... I, I really appreciate the fact that they've got everything done behind the scenes, as much as they can done behind the scenes to yeah. this point, and now they're coming to speak to us, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And they seem to have gone about it the right way in so many ways as well. And uh, they talk about the community aspect of it. And I really like the fact that they've been kind of incognito. Um, at, oh, I can't remember what the game was now. It was the Exeter game, wasn't it? Exeter, yeah. Um, you know, and, and they've seen and experienced a match like us fans do and yeah. I, I really appreciate that and I, I think the the statement there's just the one concerning paragraph really isn't there but the rest yes. of it looks very positive to me and it's not concerning on their behalf I should say by the way that we're going to make that clear so yeah it, it's really good obviously it, it, it basically makes clear in the opening paragraphs that they are looking to invest and take control a change of control of the club. So it's a takeover. Mm. They're not saying the word takeover, but it's a takeover. Let's, let's just make it very clear that they made it clear that they're really pleased with the work they've done with the club so far. And interestingly as well, they saw, they mentioned the fact that uh, obviously any transaction subject to contract, EFL approval and participation of Kiosk. Now they're very, I think this is something that Kiosk deserve a bit more credit for. And, you know, Dan's not here this week. It's, it's kind of, semi-deliberate that because that means me and you can talk a bit more openly about this because obviously Dan yeah. is vice chair of Kiosk so it, you know he, he can't really say too much we can you know he doesn't tell us anything I have to say he's not giving mm. us any inside info on this we've we found out at the same time all you guys have um, yeah I, I think Kiosk deserve a bit more credit than they, they get for this they've put out their uh, weekly um, article in the News and Stars week and it's it's quite punchy actually isn't it it's, it's quite um defending themselves for some of the stick they get online. And I think fair play to them for once, you know. Far too often they've... In the past, yes, I would agree they've probably deserved a bit of stick for some of the things that have happened, but there can't be any doubt. They've they've played a huge part in what's happened so far with the Piatics, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And uh, that article today alludes to the fact that they've met with them a few times and Mm -hmm. that the Piatics' enthusiasm towards the club is infectious. um, And that's... That's brilliant. That's that's what you want. And I've said all along, once this club bites its teeth into you, you know, there's, there's not a lot of getting away from it. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, you can't shake it off. I mean, I'm looking at, what, it'll be 29 years for me this Christmas, basically, that mm. I've been following. It's, yeah, it's very, very hard to shake off. But you know, you're right. And like I said, I, I think they deserve a bit more credit. They've clearly been involved from the very start here, and they're clearly helping drive this. So fair play to them, you know, for being involved. And hopefully, you know, we've got this meeting coming up uh, the day after the... Um, Derby County game that kiosk members are able to attend. It's a shame that it's not open to all fans, but there's obviously reasons for that because I know kiosk did want it to be originally. Um, mm. 
But the thing is, there's going to be 300 people in that room. There's going to be countless more watching online on the stream. Yeah. Word will get out what's said there anyway, so there's no need to panic about it. It's not, it's not going to be top secret. No one's going to hear a single thing. We're going to get yeah. an idea of what's happened at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about the concerning paragraph four, talk about some of the other bits that they've said in there quickly. Um, obviously, the pure pay debt is the thing that, that, that's come up as basically a concern, isn't it? So they've basically said, to, to quote, I'll quote from that paragraph, actually. While we want to emphasise that these discussions are in advanced stages, there remains one significant hurdle, resolution of the pure pay debt. Despite the current club shareholders and directors' best efforts over the past year to resolve the debt issue, it remains open at this time. The pure pay debt must be resolved for this transaction to move forward. Once resolved, we believe this could mark a significant milestone in the club's journey and an extraordinary opportunity for the club and one we are excited about. So there's a lot of talk about this online. You know, there's a lot of people saying, why don't the current owners just pay it up or whatever? I think people have been a bit unrealistic about what happens in a takeover. When you take over a company with debt, it's not that often that the people who actually own the company at that point will pay off that debt, especially as, Mm. let's be honest, they're not going to get... The chances are they're going to sell this club for next to nothing, basically. They're not going to get any money out of it themselves. It's moving on to someone who can actually take it on. And we don't know that yet, but that's the impression you get from it. I would hope so, yeah. So I I wonder if there's some sort of work going on. The problem is the debt's tied with personal guarantees and it's links to, you know, holds over Brunton Park and things like that. So it's complicated. I'd imagine... The, the, the piatics are basically trying to you know get this sorted in a way that when they come in it's not an issue not so much i wouldn't be surprised if they are looking to pay a chunk of it at the very least mm. and i do wonder if there's a there's a feeling there of like well if we can agree a decent deal here and we don't have to pay the whole thing in one full swoop at least we can then pump some money straight into the club straight away in terms of infrastructure and things like that it's yeah. getting a decent deal because you don't you don't want to just throw three million pound or just under three million pounds straight at it because you know if you could get, if you get that down to let's say two million i'm just off the top of my head picking out numbers here that saves you a million pounds you can straight away say right we're going to pump that straight into building a training ground or something like yeah, that. yeah i mean that kind of money could do so much good for the club yeah not filling sorry not philip day's pocket because he has nothing to do with pure pay no, whatsoever he doesn't, he doesn't. apparently no. No, definitely doesn't. Um, yeah, so th- it's something that needs sorted. But um, look, the fact that they're at the exclusivity stage, they're talking about their plans now, they can have a public meeting with fans, suggests that they they must have some sort of plan to deal with that in some way, shape or form, if needs be. So yeah. hopefully this is just trying to iron out the fine details in that. And, you know, we know the club put an offer to the guys at PurePay in terms of repaying the debt back in August. They haven't had a response yet. So hopefully this might... Just, just, just nudge them on slightly because, you know, if the Piatics have been involved at that stage, then they must be quite happy with the offer that was put mm. to Pure Pay in terms of that. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. where it is. In terms yeah, of the... I, mean, of course, well, I, was, I was just going to say as well, what, I remember, I think when Crawley's takeover with their American owners yeah. was uh, around this stage, we'd already seen, like, so many red flags. And yeah. there just isn't that here for me. Um, and the way they talk about investing in infrastructure and stuff they clearly have a plan in place it's not just like throw a load of money at the team let's get to the Premier League in five years yay like you know there's clearly a plan in place you're absolutely right there Mike and I can't tell you how happy I am not to see the words we want to get you to the Championship or the Premier League within X number of seasons don't want to hear that I just want to hear 
we're going to build a proper club here. We're going to work with like the ambition. You know, they said you know they've got ambitions to expand our presence in the, the game. You know, a bold step in the ambition to elevate the club to new heights and fill its potential. There's no like setting a target of an actual position. You're just saying we just want to get the club better. You know, the community yeah. stuff. They, the, the, we've heard stories about the fact that they're clearly very strong in the community over there. Look, look how many sports clubs and mm. leagues they sponsor over in, in America. You know, they're involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well at NFL level, and you know they they're clearly really strong on that side of it. I mean, the business itself, you know, it employs former veterans, doesn't it? It gets them into work mm. after they've been, you know, come out of the army and stuff, which is fantastic. You know, it's that, you know, really positive in terms of that. And apparently they, they do this thing like a food truck thing on like after, on Fridays for their mm. staff as well. And that's quite a popular thing over in America with some companies. So, I mean, it shows they really grasp that side of it. And that should be encouraging straight away. You know, there's no talks of, you know, yeah. like you said, with the Crawley stuff, there was all about NFTs and how much money we can make. Mm. No, that, that's not what we're hearing here, is it? Exactly. And I think as well, sort of reading between the lines a little bit, you know, some clubs, I mean, our location is what it is. It always has been. Some clubs would offer a player a lot more money to sign for them than, yeah. say, a, a, a club in that sort of you know, M62 corridor. Um, but I think we want to be able to offer players the same amount, but be able to say, yeah, but look at us, look at our training facilities, yeah. look look, look at what we've got going on here. And we want players to want to sign for us, for the club, not not for the money, for the club. Yeah, we want we have something like what Fleet would have got. I mean, their, their facility, if you're not seeing the photos of me, it's incredible. Compared mm. against what we've got at Brunham Park, it, it's, it's amazing facility for, for their training ground. We want that so players come to us. So we have our little development squad of players who are building up, you know, like a reserve team and things like that. That's what you want. The final, final bullet point about exciting possibilities is encouraging as well. You know, increased support of recruiting and retaining players. I mean, mm-hmm. could that be in terms of once the deal's done, you get Owen Moxon tied down to a longer deal, maybe something like that, yeah, you know? Uh, improving facilities and development of enhanced match day experiences for us. I mean, Will we get a roof on the fan zone finally? <laughs> That's what we've been praying for. Maybe even a permanent building there would be fantastic, wouldn't it? You know, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and obviously they mentioned the fact, you know, they want as much of their initial investment to stay in the club to bring the maximum benefit to the club from the start. So that, mm. that, that line actually is one that people don't seem to pick up on. Mm. So we want to see as much of our initial investment to stay in the club to bring the maximum benefit to the club from the start. Well, that suggests that they're thinking, well, we don't want to have to chuck this three million pounds at the debt if we could mm. get that if we could say look we're going to pay you in one go here so you don't have to wait for it but will you reduce the amount we have to pay or something like that so we can put yeah. that into the club that that's, that's, it, that might be what it's suggesting and it's used to the word investment for me as well like the, yeah. you know they haven't ruled out sort of money for the transfer market but for me i think you know if we could say buy a player from scotland or ireland or somewhere for a hundred grand who three years from now, goes for millions, you know, because so many other clubs at our level seem to be able to do that. And But you need the money to start off with to invest it yeah. in one of these players. And, you know, hopefully that's what, you know, I, I don't want to see us splashing out 500 grand on a 28-year-old from Harrogate, you know, maybe spend a couple of hundred grand on a young up-and-coming player that we can sell for a big profit yeah. down the line. Kind of, kind of the way that Peterborough United have done stuff in in past seasons, you know. Yeah. You know, and and then basically work yourself think, right when it gets to a certain point, if they're not going to extend the deal, well, we're going to sell you, and we're going to make the money off mm. you, you know, which is a sensible way of doing it. They got caught out a little bit with Clark Harris, didn't they, in the transfer deadline day? But that's just the way it is with that one, I guess. Um, yeah. So all round, we're pretty happy with the statement. You know, there's there's a bit of caution in there, but you know, 
please understand that this it's really at a sensitive stage and you know they won't be able to tell us every single thing but I'm really looking forward to this meeting. I'm not going to be able to attend in person by the looks of things. I'm probably going to have to watch the stream. I think you're going to do that as well, aren't you, Mike? I think so. Yeah, yeah. We'll be watching that online with uh, with great interest. And I know a lot of the people I spoke to are really uh, encouraged. Um, should be noted in terms of takeover news, there was a bit of news that broke, um, obviously, just after we recorded last week, me and Nick, um, about interest from a Turkish slash Northeast consortium. Mm. They put a bid into the club. Now, this was leaked via um a guy who's a um he's a tough, he's a twitter sort of sports reporter in the past has been very good at getting stories about transfers in early something did emerge recently that he may well be running a, a football agency's twitter account at the same time which is a little bit mm, funny that mm. isn't it but um it obviously came to him i've said this before and i've said this a million times people who do take over things out in public are not serious oh, a good friend of mine yeah. has always said that if you Anyone who does who tries to run a takeover out in the public is not a serious bidder. And that's why I'm so impressed with the Piatics, the fact that they kept it all behind the scenes until this point. From um, what I understand as well, yeah. they contacted the club and basically said, you've got 24 hours to get back to us or we'll leak it. You wanted to buy a football club? You're not holding someone hostage. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a serious way of doing it. Um Look, if the Piatic stuff doesn't work out, maybe they'll go back and actually have a look at it again, possibly. But the thing is, surely they must have realised when they put this bid in, when you've got to this point and it's been going for, what, five plus months, probably longer, it's going to be at a point of exclusivity to that one, mm. you know, bidder at that point. So what's the point of putting a bid in when the club can't actually even look at it technically from a legal yeah. viewpoint? So, yeah, it's, it's not really a relevant thing at the moment. It may well come back, I don't know, you never know, but... We'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, i it with a pinch of salt. Yes, indeed. Uh, just a couple of little bits of other news to cover before we get onto the Stevenage review, Mike. Uh, as you mentioned at the start, uh, Head of Performance has been appointed. Um, this was advertised in the summer um, after we got promoted. Um, and uh, United have finally confirmed he'll be taking on the role. And it's a familiar face coming to Brunton Park, isn't it? Yeah, Jake Simpson. Jake Simpson, yes. So that's uh, Jake is the son of Blues boss Paul. He's joined the club after holding a similar role at Stockport County since February 2022. It, really interesting appointment, isn't it? It, it? Again, it's one of these things that shows that the club is trying to move forward and be a bit more professional and serious at this level, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I think one of the things for me that makes Simo such a good manager is that he's old school in a lot of ways, but he's also embraced a lot of these new things like sports mm. science, data analysis, all of that sort of stuff. And he's, he's kind of got the best of both worlds, whereas some old school managers don't embrace that and they kind of just get left by the wayside a little bit. And Simon's got a degree in sports science, hasn't he? I think I'm sure he's done something yeah. like that at the very least. So yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Obviously, Jake's followed in his footsteps there. He's had, a, had an okay career himself. I think he did quite well when he was at Workington as well. I think he was quite a good player for them. But um, but yeah, he I think he's settled in Carlisle anyway, so I think it's a, it's an ideal move for him mm. to, to move back up uh, with Paul. Um, interesting, Samoa did as basically explained that it, basically he will overlook the performance department, an area that I think they've been looking to expand since he came back as boss for the second time. But um, one of the things it'll help with, alongside the uh, the new um, uh, what's the what's the title of the fitness coach again? I can't remember now. Sports um, and conditioning. Oh. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so the yeah. strength, strength conditioning. Yeah, coach. that's it. Um, so Jamie Roper is currently in that role. He's leaving to set up his own business. I think so. Um, they they're currently recruiting for his replacement, and I think the idea is that one of them 
will stay back on away games and work with the players who aren't playing that weekend to make sure they get a proper session on the Saturday while the players are playing their game. So, you know, that, that, again, it's little things like that you never really think about, do you, really? Mm. So it's uh, it's really nice to see these things uh, moving forward. So, yep, Jake is now uh, officially appointed into his role. Um, last bit of news, Mike, uh, something that emerged as well uh, late last week, the waterworks end. So this, there was a bit of talk. So Derby County have basically sold out their allocation for the game uh, next weekend against us at Brunton Park. So there was talk, oh, we're going to give them the waterworks end because they sold it out very quickly. And I don't think he even got to members. It only went to season ticket holders. Yeah, it sold out in like five minutes. It was something insane, wasn't it? They, they sold them very, very quickly. Um, turns out the answer to that is uh, no. Um, United are opening up the waterworks end to home fans for the game against Derby. I think the expectation is we, we're, we're going to get probably 10k plus home fans for this game anyway, aren't we? So yeah, actually, I, I, I don't mind them opening up because that, at least that way you're not quite as cramped in there as well. And, and I think having it a little bit more spacious might make it a more enjoyable experience for people. It sounds a weird thing to say, but yeah, also... Look, I, I, I see it the other way though. Like sometimes if you're all crammed in together it often creates a better atmosphere that's true that's a fair point um what i'd say is that um from what i've heard simo as well is not keen on the idea of having fans behind one of the goals yeah. he would rather have our fans behind both goals and we saw from the you know the playoff games and the games against Southern and stuff like that it does have a positive mm. effect it does lift the crowd quite the, mm. the, the team so so yeah um good news that so if you haven't got your tickets that one get get them as soon as you can because it's the first time we'll have met them in a league fixture since february 1984 before even i was born Mm. and i'm an old kid these days (laughs) right mike let's get on to it stevenage review stevenage 2 carl united 2 an undeserved point according to steve evans well i can maybe see his point (laughs) but you know, you could argue that the Port Vale away game, we deserved something out of it and we lost. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, sometimes it works in your favour, sometimes it goes against you. Yeah, um, I have to say, I think this is a fantastic point, especially following up on that, the um, the win against Shrewsbury. Just to get anything from this game was a, was a real bonus, I think. And, you know, they're flying high at the start of the season. I still think they'll probably be somewhere up there towards the end of the season. I don't think they'll be top three, but I think they'll probably be skirted around that final playoff place. Mm. But um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at the bare stats, you must be pretty happy to get a point from this one. Two shots on target, two goals. You know, we yeah. went from uh, other games, we were having multiple shots on target and no goals. So yeah, yeah we seem to uh, be getting a little bit more clinical. And if we can create more chances, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully batter someone. Yeah. So when the teams were announced for this game, Mike, were you surprised at the one change? I think we all saw it coming, didn't we, I think, to be fair? Uh, yeah, I think looking before the game, you know, you've got your holy Anderson debate. Uh, Anderson, by all accounts, had a fantastic game. I think mm-hmm. that's our strongest team. Yeah, I mean, Coyote coming in for plans just made sense, didn't it, really? You know, mm. Coyote's not coming in to sit on the bench. He's going to be starting most weeks, right? you'd imagine. Mm. And I think it's whoever plays alongside him will be the, the difference, I think. Um yeah, the only other change was obviously plans dropped to the bench and Jordan Harris uh, dropped off the bench for this one. Um, on to the actual action. I mean, the first proper real chance, I think, for both sides was probably the opening goal, wasn't it? it it's just mm. a goal from a set piece and a, a bit of a frustrating one, really, defensively, wasn't it? So Finback gives away a free kick only a few yards into our half, so it's not that too dangerous a position. Um, 
they launched the ball into the box from Butler. Uh, he was nodded down by Pierre Gianni, and I think Callum Guy just loses sight of uh, of Jamie Reed, and he nips in and pokes the ball past Anderson to give them the lead, doesn't he? Yeah, um, for me, I think Anderson could have maybe come out to claim that initial ball into the box. To be honest. I, I, I think it was a little bit too close to the edge of the box for him to claim it. I think he maybe could have been sharper to the nod down, possibly. I'm probably being a little bit harsh there because I think he maybe would have expected Reed to be marked a bit better by by the defenders. So it, it's a it's a frustrating one because it's, it's not the most pretty looking goal, is it? It's, it's you know no. long free kick, nod down, bang, strikers into score. Frustrating. Um, very nearly got a, uh, a second one not long after that, where uh, another free kick to the box was nodded down to Roberts in the edge box. He hit a low left foot first time volley that Anderson brilliantly palmed away. Actually, because mm. he didn't see this till late, did he? It was a really good save. Mm. This one, and then uh, first chance, first shot, and, and United equalise through Sean Maguire, don't they? I mean, it turns out apparently he was offside. Is what um, Steve yeah, Evans is telling about the letter, today. haven't they? Yeah, they've had plenty of one of those letters from the FA that we were collecting for fun last uh, <laughs> last um, season. But um, yeah, so basically a very direct but quite effective goal. So Armour picked the ball up in our half, sends a first-time ball over the top, perfectly timed for uh, Maguire to run onto it. Obviously not quite perfectly timed from his run, but you know, um, he's through on goal. I thought he'd messed up at first, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like he, he he completely missed the chance up, but he managed to get a shot away, and I think it flicks up off the defender's leg and just sort of over the keeper and into the back of the net, doesn't it? And yeah, Sean Maguire so. off the mark for the season must be quite pleasing to see too. Well, in his head, he scored against Shrewsbury as well, so in not. his head, he's got two for two. So, yeah, I'm absolutely not having it that he uh, no, but he's you know, he's clearly he'll clearly have a lot of confidence now, and I think that's something that we were lacking. It was. Not necessarily confidence as a team, but confidence from an individual point of view, and that strikers just needed to get that first goal to give them a lift and relax a little bit. And yeah, Maguire's off the mark now. Yep, really, really good stuff. Um, Anderson was calling to action again um, with a couple of a couple more chances. There was one um, where. Uh, McNeil had a shot from the edge of the box that he palmed over the bar. Another where Armour was beaten by a long ball of top from Reed, and his shot was again saved by Anderson's feet. Um, yeah, um, sorry, I'm just trying to read the chances through here. Uh, another corner this time from in the second half from the left. Uh, Pierre Gianni met him with a header, came back off the crossbar. Another Pierre Gianni header that was this time palmed behind by Anderson. Living a bit of a charmed life, wasn't it? The the goal at the start of the second half, especially. Mm. I think it's fair to say. Uh, and then Reed gets his second goal, and this was a frustrating one because we were on the attack. We lose the ball, and then I think Jack Armour got just a little bit too attracted to chasing the ball on the right wing. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't get it, and then McCalman doesn't really do well enough to stop Roberts, no, who beats him a bit easily. Just him up, to be honest, yeah, and and. Roberts plays a cross-field ball into the space where Armour had been um, to read. Guy just lets him get past him a bit too easily, do you think? I think he can do a little bit better. I think he's a bit yeah. nervous about maybe giving away a penalty, but he, there's no real attempt at all to get the ball, is it? To... I think there's a few players who could have done a lot better there. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, McCalmont, like I said, and I think Guy as well, yeah. I mean, there's an argument as well. Anderson shouldn't be getting beaten from such a tight angle, but it's a well-struck yeah. shot, to be fair. Probably being mm. harsh for that, to be fair. Um 
and ha- Reed nearly got a hat trick not long after that as well. To be fair, he um, he got a ball over the top and he, he shrugged off Melish to get through on goal. But again, mm. brilliant save by Anderson. We keep saying it, don't we? We're going to be talking about him in a minute and his performance, mm. definitely. Um, and then United had a really good penalty shot, didn't they? Now they've just got a grip of the game in the last five or ten minutes. They just stayed in the game. Then suddenly something switched after the subs were made and. Ball over the top, Terry Ablade, um, Ablade, sorry, uh, away on the left, and he's chipped inside the box, isn't he? Yeah, it's inside the box. 100%. I mean, it's only just inside, but he's inside the box. And mm. referee Darren Drysdale, who did not have a great game, to be honest, he, he gave some weird decisions to both sides. He, he couldn't really keep up with play half the time. Um, he awarded a free kick on the edge of the box, mm. which is just a baffling decision, wasn't it? From the free kick, it was an absolute beauty from Moxon, wasn't it? Mm. whipped in with pace and it just needed a flick off someone to go in the back of the net and Roddy went wide of the far post and then came the equaliser um, so Armour won a corner on the left Moxon goes over sends in a right footed in swinger to the far post and fair play to Joe Garner does brilliantly because he's been held all over the shop you see the photos of it yeah. up close he's been held back and he manages to get his head on it the keeper tries to claw it out but it's gone well over the line and the linesman flags in mm. Those fans behind the goal, including our six-second reviewer today, uh, Johnny Outwood, were going absolutely mad with the players at the front, <laughs> weren't they? They were really loving it. Yeah, um, it's worth noting that the official highlights don't show a very good uh, oh, footage terrible. of this goal. But the um, Warwick Rodand has a Twitter account, uh, has yeah. a YouTube account, and they're behind the goal. And obviously, you know, whoever's holding the camera is going a bit mental, but it's still better for footage than of the official highlights <laughs> so it's worth checking out wouldn't take much would it wouldn't take much but yeah so fantastic mm. stevenish did nearly nick it at the end though didn't they there was a chance for yeah. uh for roberts late on with a deep cross into the into the box and anderson once again brilliantly to tip it over the bar and uh yeah we held on and, and and got the point as we say arguably undeserved but there's nothing better than the smash and grab is there really you know when you come in and you know take your chances and, and you come away with something yeah, God knows how many times that's happened against us before now. So, yeah, you've got to enjoy it when you're the team doing it. And it shows the fighting spirit we've got, isn't it? Even in it, you know, probably probably the first game of the season where we've been dominated for most of the 90 minutes. We've actually managed to come away with something from the game, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. It shows real character that, um, you know, coming back from behind twice um, and you're under the cosh a lot. Yeah, and it it shows as well, you know, Simo's whole starters and finishes thing, just how vital that is and how the finishes are just as important as the starters. And I think if Joe Garner's role for this season is to just come on off the bench and cause havoc for the last 15 minutes, well, he's very good at it. Yeah, it's one of those ones you look and obviously at the moment Ryan Edmondson is not getting his chance. He's not even on the bench for games. Mm. He maybe needs to look at how Joe's playing in these games and try and learn a few mm. things from him and say, well, how can I do that? How can I be the player who's being the nuisance and coming on and causing problems later on in games because he's I mean at the end of the day he's, he's got about five or six inches on on Garner in yeah. terms of height hasn't he so he should mm. really be the one who's starting those games but he's not at the moment so no so yeah, I, I I'm a fan of his but he, yeah. he doesn't really have much of a case to be playing at the minute no no all the other subs are, are playing their part and mm. just just unlucky I suppose for Ryan that he didn't take mm. his chance when he had it but um but I'm sure he will get more chances this season you know, he's, he's oh, a yeah. good player we know that um, well, let's talk about some individual performances then. Um, well, there's only one place to start, isn't there? Mm. Uh, Icelandic man Cummuff, yeah, you know, Jockel Anderson, Anderson, you know, he's international weekend, not involved with his international squad, but we're pretty glad he wasn't, weren't we? Because he, he had a terrific game, didn't he? Yeah, he re- really did. I mean, you and me were both 
quite cynical because as fully paid up members of the Thomas Holy <laughs> fan club. Um, but yeah, uh, sounds like he had a fantastic game. Um, yeah, there's not a lot more you can say than that, really. It sounds like if it wasn't for him, we would have probably conceded five or six goals. So Yeah, he had a brilliant game. I should say, when we mentioned the chance there, what we didn't mention actually was that he did have a little rick in the second half, though, where he spilled the ball straight to Pierre Gianni, put it in the back of the net, but he was disallowed mm. for offside, which apparently wasn't offside, so he's got away mm. one there, possibly. So he's got to be careful with these, because that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a couple in recent games, you know, and he's, you know... Holy did those occasionally, but they were quite well spread out. It wasn't like he was doing them every other mm. game, was it? So it's, you know, you've got to be careful that. What I would say is, a word of caution on this, you really don't want your keeper to be getting man of the match every week. A one-off no. game like this every now and then is great. This is the thing. People might say, oh, we've never seen a performance like that from Holy. Well, that's because we've never really had a game like that with Holy, yeah. where we got dominated by anyone. So he's not had to do that in that sense. Yeah. So. There's not nothing to say Thomas wouldn't have put the form team that was similar to that. Mm. Things might have been different in terms of set pieces. We might have been able to claim a few more of them, you know, from crosses and mm. stuff. But but fair play to him, you know, he, he stuck out and in like he looks like a fantastic shot stopper. I have to say that. I'm really impressed with that side of it. So yeah. you can work on coming for crosses and things like that a little bit more. We've potentially got a really good keeper on our hands for this season. So yeah, great stuff from um, Jockle. Um Sean Maguire. Great to see him get off the mark, isn't it? I think we said that earlier. Um, yeah. following on from his involvement in the goal last week I, I, I you've said this before and I think I agree with you I think we've got a real player on our hands if we can keep him fit I think he's someone who can really be so good at this level there was, there was one moment where I felt like he could have got to a ball and he sort of slowed up a little bit I think that's maybe knowing not to push his body too much potentially mm. there so that's, that's smart in that sense but all the signs so far are, are pretty good for him aren't they yeah you know and what he said then, it's worth noting, he didn't have the best of pre-seasons. Um, no. So he's still probably not quite 100% match fit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think intelligence-wise as well, he's just playing nine-dimensional chess with some of the things he's doing. <laughs> uh, you know, and the little flicks and things he, he does. It, it, it's so obvious that he's played the game at a higher level. Um, yeah. And if players can sort of really start to cotton on to some of his little flicks and stuff, um, I think you know he'll just get better and better. Definitely, um, JJ Coyote. So that's the first time I've seen him since he returned. I'll tell you what, he looks like he's a much bigger player, doesn't he? That's the yeah. first thing I because I, I watched the game on the iFollow because it was obviously available last weekend due to the international weekend, and he definitely looks like he's bulked out a bit. And he's probably gained a couple of inches in height as well. I think because mm. you know I think he's about six three last time. He looks more like six mm. five, I reckon now and. Once again, winning all his headers, and we only got to see one of his long throws just because of the circumstances of the weekend. We didn't really get too many throws in those positions, but I, I tell you what, he's going to be an asset really, isn't he? Definitely. I, I think the only way really that you can contain him is by doubling up on him. And yeah. if you're doing that, then you're freeing up space for someone else, you know, yeah. Maguire or someone to to get into space. So... Yeah, I think even in games where he might not do a lot, I think he will be doing a lot for us by dragging opposition players away from our players. Yeah, definitely. Um, talk about some of the subs then. Had a positive impact on the game, didn't they? Um, yeah. McCallman had to come on for Jordan Gibson, it should be said. Um, Gibson a little bit unlucky that he got an early booking for an absolutely nothing tackle, really, that wasn't even really, it wasn't even that cynical. It was a ridiculous decision. And then 
he probably could have gone because he, he gave another foul away and he argued with the ref, didn't he? I think Simo took him off for his own good at that point. Yeah, um, well, well, I think both, well, the booking and the nearly sent off were never fouls yeah. really anyway. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it sounded like the ref had a shocker. I mean, obviously, he sent Stevenage two letters, but um, yeah, it sounds like he was kind of their 12th man a little bit. From, yeah, from what I was hearing on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other two subs, I've got to say, uh, Garner and uh, Ablade, fantastic again. I mean, uh, Terry's pace is terrifying. Like, there's a couple of times he got away down the left and you thought, right, mm. you can cause some problems here. And Joe Garner, again, he's just a nuisance and he was putting himself about. He was winning a couple of free kicks. He's he's, he's smart now. I think he knows he's going to be a sub for most games this season. And, that, mm. and he seems fine with that. And that that's good. Mm. You know, we, we, we were worried. Well, we, we felt he might end up leaving before the end of the window, but mm. Summer clearly sees a role for him, doesn't he? And, uh, but can you imagine f- being a centre-back that's been dealing with um, Coyote, Coyote for 60 minutes and then you've got Joe Garner to deal with? Yeah, just, just be so frustrating, wouldn't mm. it? 150th career goal for him. What a brilliant achievement though, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. And obviously his first career goal was with us as well. Yeah, I think about 20% of his goals have come for us, haven't they? About 30 mm. odd I think he's got for us, so mm. fantastic. He scored quite a few during that second spell with us. People forget about that. Yeah, it was it 18-15 or something like that, I mm. think it was. I seem to remember. Yeah, he, got, he had a really strong streak and then obviously the Preston came in and bought him, so just frustrating that. We could have got him permanently back then, maybe, but mm. never mind. Um, but yeah, fair play to that. He's done brilliantly. Um Thoughts on Stevenage before we sort of wrap this bit up, uh, Mike. Um, how, how do you how do you see them this season? I, I feel like they've, they've they've clearly signed very well and they've got some real strength and depth. They're, they're a very direct side, but they're so effective, aren't they? Especially set pieces. They they seem to know what they're doing so much in those, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think other teams, you know, they'll obviously do their homework on Stevenage and players will be told how Stevenage are going to play and they're going to try and frustrate you and blah 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 blah. But we've actually played against them last season and kind of are more accustomed to it. Whereas yeah. a lot of these other teams that were in League One last season, you get told, oh, they're going to frustrate you and this and that and the other. And you think, yeah, we'll deal with that. But then when you're getting frustrated, your, your head goes out the window and your game plan goes out the window. And that's what Stephen is you're very good at. And un- unless you've personally dealt with that, you're going to struggle to deal with it. And yeah. I, th- I think we all said in the pre-season preview that Stevenage were our dark horses. We said it last season, and I think we said yeah. it again this season. I think a couple of us said we thought they would, they would do okay this season. We didn't certainly mm. didn't think they would be in trouble. And I've got to say that they like to play that diagonal ball across the top, and they're mm. so accurate with it. It's so well worked. It's mm. you've got to give them credit. To be fair, you know they're very effective. They certainly know what they're doing. So fair play to them. Right, uh, just to wrap this bit up, we'll do the six-second review now, which is Johnny, who was at the game, so he sent us one in. So we always knew it was going to be a difficult game down there at Stevenage, obviously in that heat. If you'd offered me 2-2 before the game, I probably would have took it. Uh, I think Anderson, outstanding, wasn't he? He'll be disappointed with the second, but those saves that he made during that game just kept us in it, didn't they? Just really, really good. Obviously, we've given away that goal on the 15th minute. I thought we did really well to bounce back quickly. Maguire going through on goal, he just looked calm, he looked confident. He looks a much more confident player than what he did when he first got here, I think. I think he's going to be a good signing. Coyote, he's going to need a couple of weeks just to bed into the team, isn't he? And just get a bit of fitness and just work out where he fits into everything. But I think we're going to be a better team for him. Garner and Ablade, I don't think anyone 
really expected this, but I think they're going to be a huge pair in this season. I think you bring them on with 20 minutes to go. Ablade is just so fast, isn't he? Just worries defences. I don't know how many goals he'll score, but he's great to have there. And bring him on with Garner, doing what Garner does. It's just excellent to have an option on the bench there, isn't it? We were down twice, and I thought, yeah, obviously Stevenage were probably the better team, but that confidence and belief to get back into the game, um, knowing that we can score goals, is something that has been lacking, and I think it's definite positive out the afternoon. Um, on to Lincoln now, hopefully get something out that game, and then a massive game back at Brunton Park week after, isn't it? Well, there you go. Pretty uh, straight way forward there from Johnny, wasn't it? You know, he's, he's yep. fair points. Um, should say, uh, we did forget to mention the heat. <laughs> it looked, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, what, 30, 32 degrees, something like that? Yeah. I would not have fancy playing out of that. Actually, I, give give the team a bit of credit for playing the full 90 and, and lasting that long as mm. well in that heat, because it didn't, didn't look much fun at all. So uh, there you go. Um, just to wrap up this half of the show, Mike, um, we'll look at the uh, results from League One. Well, there's only one to cover, isn't there? Because uh, bizarrely, all the other 10 games had one of the teams had free internationals mm. that weekend. So the games were postponed, which you don't see that often at League One level, do you? Sometimes no. you don't see Championship level, you see it because they get, all get called off, but maybe two or three sometimes. But yeah. So the only other game on was Exeter City against Leighton Orient. And Leighton Orient got a 92nd minute winner in this one to win 2 1 at St. Yeah. James's Park. So a t- terrific result for Orient because they had a tough start to the season. And little bit of a surprise one for Exeter getting a bit caught out there. But I think I just said this after the, when we played them. I felt like the position was a little bit false Exeter. I think they had some easier games in the in the start of the season. So yeah. you might see them drop off a little bit now. But they won't be in trouble, I don't think. They've probably got enough to keep themselves away from that. So, yeah, yeah. fair play. Um, and that's it, I think. Anything else to cover? No, I think that, that's it, yeah. Cool. Right, we'll take a short break. And we'll be back to preview the Lincoln City game. Hi, it's Ryan Edmondson from Carlisle United, and you're listening to the Brunson Bugle. There you go, got another new one there. Thank you, Dan, for sorting that one out for us this week when he was at the uh, the sponsors' photo day at uh, Brunson Park. Um, got to give uh, Edmo some credit for doing similar to Simo there and telling us that he's from Carlisle United. There, as if we didn't know he was a Carlisle United player, like a Ryan, random Ryan Edmondson who got to do that. But there you go. Um, thank you very much, Ryan, for, for doing that one for us. Um, yeah, into the second half of the show. Um, do we want to do the answer now or do we want to wait until um, the, the X Blue section? Go on, we'll do it now. We'll right. Do it now. So let's have a quick reminder of the question from Dan. In fact, should I play the reminder because it's quite long? Basically, when we played Lincoln City in 2002, August 2002, uh, the Battle of Tinsel Bank, we had three players sent off that day, Malloy, Foreign and Shelley. Who were the remaining eight players from the starting 11 that day? I'm 99% certain Peter Keane was in goals this game because I remember Lincoln had a penalty and I don't. I think he might have got a slight touch onto it, but he basically hit one post, rolled across the line and went out for a, goal, a corner or a goal kick on the other side. So Peter Keane was in goal. We know Brian Shelley was a right back, don't we? Yes. Who Lee Andrews. Be... Oh, is Lee Andrews still playing? Oh. Trying to think who's, who who'd played the season before at centre back for us. I'm fairly sure we still had Dave Morley at that point, didn't we? I've no idea. Yes, I think Dave Morley might have been one of the centre backs, possibly. Um, Stuart Whitehead, maybe. Stuart White and Dave Morley to be your two centre-backs. Peter left Murphy? Back. 
Peter, Mur- Peter Murphy might have been left back actually at yeah. that point, possibly. So we'll go we... Peter Keane, Stuart Whitehead, Dave Morley, Peter Murphy, Brendan McGill. Would he re-signed by then? I don't know if he had actually. Not sure. I feel. No, like in fact, I, I feel like he. Hmm, no, I feel like he had done actually. I've got an image of him wearing that baggy blue Umbro shirt, the temporary one. Um, Will McDonough, maybe. McDonough, possibly. He might have been on the bench then. I think maybe. Mark Summerbell. Summerbell. Mark Summerbell definitely yeah. played. Remember that. So Summerbell's one of them. Um, I mean, Foran and Malloy were clearly strikers at start. So he's not going to win those two. Ryan Baldacino. Maybe. Yeah, I think Ryan Baldacino. So are we going to go with Keen? Uh, Keen, Whitehead, Morley, Murphy. That's four. Right. Summerbell, McGill, Baldacino, and one more. I'll let you pick the final one. Uh, You're going to go Will McDonough. He went with the machine, didn't you? Yeah, I'll say Will McDonough. Will McDonough, right. So that's our eight that we've gone for. So here's the answer to Dan's question for the week. The other eight players that day were Peter Keane in goal, Lee Andrews, Lee Madison, Stuart Whitehead in defence, Peter Murphy, he was still a midfielder then, I think, Uh, Ryan Baldacino, Mick Galloway and Brendan McGill. Uh, Have we got four of them right then? So we've got Keane, Whitehead, Murphy in the wrong position, Baldacino. Yeah, that was it. So what were the other ones again? There was Lee Andrews, Lee Madison. Um, My mind's gone blank now. Was there was two more? Um, Baldacino. Uh, uh, no, we got Baldacino. We got that one. Um, uh, no, uh, Mick Galloway and uh, someone else. I think yeah. was that it. Maybe oh, did we get five? I can't remember. But basically, we we, we didn't do as well as we'd hoped. But, so there yeah. you go. Good question that one down there. So that's an mm. interesting one. That one. There you go. Right into the second half. Uh, it's time to preview the Lincoln City game. And uh, after a week off, we've got the behind enemy lines section back. This week, I spoke to Ben from the Stacey West pod. Um, we talked about the rise of the Imps from the National League to the verge of the Championship in less than a decade. It's really good with that, actually. He goes into a lot of depth about what actually happened with them back when they're in the um, the uh, National League. Uh, how Lucas Jensen is getting on for them uh, and their hopes for this season after their promising start. Here's the chat I had with Ben. Yes, we're back with the latest edition of Behind Enemy Lines, where we talk to an opposition fan about their team and find out a bit more ahead of the big game. And this weekend, obviously, we're travelling to Lincolnshire uh, to Central Bank or the LNER Stadium. I hate, I hate sponsorship for stadiums. It's just, it's just so frustrating for, for all the ones, at least, anyway. <laughs> and we're talking to Ben from the Stacey West podcast. Ben, how are um, you doing? I'm I'm not bad, mate. Yeah, all good. Um, I'm very much with you uh, on the naming of stadiums. It's always going to be Central Bank to me. Absolutely, you know, and I, I, I get it when it's a new stadium, you know, it hasn't really got a name or whatever, that's fine, you know, but when it when it's a stadium that's been known as whatever it's called for years, it's just silly. It's one of those things I'm quite happy we've never done at Brunton Park, although it does yeah. worry me because we've got talk of a takeover coming in and I do worry if they'll look at that as a revenue stream, but it will always be yeah. Brunton Park to our fans, whatever happens anyway. Um, right, well, let's, let's get into it. Let's okay, talk so I was about... going to say quickly, the, the one... Sorry, there was one thing that I wanted to say on that. That there is the 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 stand, the stand that the podcast is named after and the blog yes. named after the Stacey West. Um, the club have said, like, without any question, you know, any question at all, 
that will always be the Stacey West pop, yes. uh, Stacey West stand for the reasons that it's called the Stacey West. So, um, yeah, yeah you know, that that's one thing that we can at least cling to in terms of yeah. the name. Well, that's that's good. That's good to hear. Um, right. Well, let's get into it then. Um, I want to start off by talking about your rise up the leagues in the last decade or so. So you've mm-hmm. gone from a team that was struggling in the lower mid table of the National League actually up until about 2016. Yep. To a couple of seasons ago, three seasons ago, you were one game away from the championship. So what changed with your club? Because I think some of our fans might not know the story of, of, of how things turned around for Lincoln City. Yeah, so, I mean, we got a couple of PE teachers in. Um, that's, that's really it. Um, like, yeah, we, we'd obviously been through been through the ringer um, in terms of you know in, in terms of club for for quite a long time. Um, dropped out of the league in 2011, and uh, yeah, it was it was just a the wilderness is is horrendous. You know, um, it was actually a, a period of time that I'd I'd fallen out of love with football in general myself. But yeah. um, it, when we signed. Danny and Nicky as managers, it genuinely seemed like there was a change in not only like the fortunes of the club but the culture. Um, they were very hands-on with with everything, um, and I think one of the quotes that they had when they started was uh, essentially, you know, I don't know any business that's successful when every, you know the staff only work for two hours a day, um, and they kind of instilled that culture into everybody in the club, and it it really started to change from there. I think um, putting in that culture and that style um a lot of people said it seems like it's a a championship club in the background but they're in the middle of non-league um obviously the the success that we had that season was unprecedented like the FA Cup run was beyond anyone's wildest dreams and it it funded our training ground um you know all of the the money that we won from that getting to the quarter final um went straight back into the club and we built a new training facility which we didn't have for years like we were training at an old army barracks with you know molehills on the pitches and stuff like that um but that's now been put in place and that's kind of part of the legacy that they left um in the club um going from you know getting back into the football league was was one of the most incredible days really um seeing the bank absolutely full you know i think they said that they could have sold between 15 and twenty thousand tickets if they were available um for that game um but then from then on it just seemed to it just seemed to grow and there was that continued cycle of success i guess um having the uh the, the season when we won the uh when we won league two going into it it felt really strange as as lincoln fans going in as favorites for something because normally you know we're not gonna we're not gonna set anything on fire you know i'm gonna set the world on fire with anything we're doing um but we were genuinely like really impressed with how the team came together um and finished I mean, again, we're talking about good away days. The away day at MK Dons um, when we beat them, uh, beat them two nil, and that was the day the league was won. Really, like it wasn't on paper, but we we all knew it um, was just fantastic. And from then, in League One, the first season that that Dan and Nick were there in League One, it was kind of mm, you could tell their heads were maybe being turned a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then there was the game away at Wickham. I think it was where like they kind of said, look. In the in the press, they're saying, "Oh, we're not going anywhere." You know, I don't want to talk about this. And I think there was a bit of an argument with one of the uh, the Radio Lincolnshire presenters, where he basically said, "Stop asking stupid questions." Um, and then a week later, they'd gone. Um, you know, but I think at that point there was a real um, there's a real worry among the fans. It's like you know, you you have this huge wave of success, and then who do you bring yeah. in after essentially you know the messiahs? Um, 
and we brought in Michael Appleton, who I think gets treated unfairly a little bit by some Lincoln fans. Um, obviously, he had his first season, which they saw out, um, and then you know obviously got curtailed as well. And then there was the COVID season when we had Brennan Johnson, who's just gone to Spurs for you know forty <laughs> odd million. It's like we we have Morgan Rogers, who is still you know a highly sought after player. Um, those two in that team were, were just fantastic. Um, we got lucky, admittedly, with you know with Brennan and, and Morgan in that side, but it didn't make us a bad side anywhere else. I thought the the football that Appleton got us playing was really impressive. It was fast. It was attacking. Um, and in that COVID season, I think it did us a a real like it gave us a real benefit because you know we had the wage cap, we had no fans in the stadium, which obviously is horrible for the fans. But I yeah. think for a young side as we were, it it kind of maybe gave them that edge because they weren't feeling the pressure quite as much. Um, and then the second season when all the fans were allowed back, obviously you know like you mentioned, we we that that season we got to the playoff final, and uh, having. A very muted Wembley was was a really strange experience, but uh, yeah, going one 0 up thanks to an own goal in the space of like two minutes was probably the the curse more than any more than the blessing because it just kind of yeah set us in a mindset to be honest um, of of defending it. But yeah, the the next season, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great. We we lost more games at home than we won. Um, and I think one of my uh, one of the co-hosts on the podcast, guy that sits behind him, says I'm, I'm fed up of seeing Lincoln City lose at home, um, and then we all were. And ultimately, like the end of that season when Appleton left, it felt like the right time. Um, yeah. it, you know, he he'd not he'd not screwed it up, um, but it wasn't fantastic. You know, it wasn't brilliant. I think the recruitment was was poor in that window as well. You know, we signed mm-hmm. a couple of players that we thought were going to set the world on fire, but they didn't. Um, and then that brings us to the Kennedy era and again Mark Kennedy first full time job in football this is one of those where you you look at it you go or sorry first full time job in in senior football management you look at it you go that's a bit of an odd choice but I think the fans are really warming to him now like he he had a a, a, a inauspicious first year I think like kind of started and you know, we drew a lot more games at home, which again you get to a point and you're like, well, we're not losing games this year. But you know, we had an amazing uh, unbeaten run at home, but a lot of them were draws. Um, and then he's kind of instilled his philosophy on on the the players at the minute. And you know, I think a lot of fans would uh, would be maybe wrong to say that they were. Well, I think they probably admit that they were wrong to to be calling for his head midway through last season, um, because where we are at the moment. We've got a solid backroom staff. Uh, you know, we've had investment from uh, from some folks in the United States who are again fantastic people. Um, we've had the pleasure to meet them on the podcast and, and interview them, and they're, they're just they seem incredibly genuine. Like, you know, they're not here to go. Oh, what's that stadium worth? Can we make it into a housing estate kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're they're genuinely interested in football. Like you can tell that when you're talking to them. Um, and yeah, the, the future actually really does look bright for Lincoln at the minute. Um, We've got a lot of developments happening around the ground, around the club, and we've finally got to a point where we're not overly reliant on loan players. I know last season we had seven loan players, so we couldn't play them all, you know, <laughs> in, in every game. Um, but this year we've currently, I think we've only got two loanees. Yeah. Oh, that's not too um, many, is it? Well, yeah. Three, so no, it, three, have you got three, actually? I've seen when I was looking at the uh, thing. Let's look. Who have we got? Uh, 
I might be wrong on that. I was, I was doing my preview thing. <laughs> Sorry, yes, three. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about Burroughs for a second. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. no, it's it's it is looking it is looking really positive at the moment, um, and yeah, there, there's a there's a quiet confidence, shall we say, with with some sections of the fan base that we could potentially squeeze into the top six this season. Well, that is a thorough roundup there, Ben. Fair, fair play, you, you've covered <laughs> most of it. I think most of our fans have got a really good understanding now. Um, you've sort of covered my question about how Mark Kennedy's done, so I don't need to ask that now. But um, in terms of your summer transfer business, happy with that? In terms of the outgoings and incomings. Absolutely delighted, um, to be honest with you. I think the um, the the main fear, as I say, was a lot of the uh, um, a lot of the fear going into it was: Are we going to end up with you know another six or seven lone players that we're not going to be able to play? Um, and yeah, it's it was a welcome surprise when we saw you know people coming in. Um, we've brought in the likes of you know uh, Jaden Brown at left back. He's he's had a bit of a quiet start, but you know I think uh, quite a few Sheffield Wednesday fans rated him quite well. Brought Ethan Hamilton in, um, who has just forced his way straight into the first team. Uh, Ali, Ali Smith from um, from Sutton came in. He's done. He's a good really, player. He's oh, done really really yeah. well. Yeah, um, he started against Sheffield United and didn't look out of place um, against them at all. Um, and then we've got uh, like Rico Hackett coming in from Portsmouth, um, player that they when when he came in they kind of said, "Oh, you've taken Rico Hackett, we've taken um, Anthony Scully," and it's you know, yeah, we've got the better end of that deal. And I think uh, Rico's proving them wrong a little bit. He's uh, he's yeah, he's done really well. Um, Lucas Jensen, um, as uh, as you guys. Uh, yeah, you guys are aware of him. Um, he's uh, he's come in and, and firmly cemented his spot in goal. Um, and then the return of Tyler Walker, which was something that nobody really saw coming. Um, but uh, yeah, it, we were absolutely chuffed to bits when he arrived. Um, even though he's not quite, he's not got a goal yet. But uh, you know, it's probably just around the corner. Um, but yeah, the, the business has been absolutely solid. Um, all the players are, you know, all the, all the guys that came in are looking like they've added to the squad. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we've, we've previously had um, uh, Ethan Arahan who came in uh, last season, um, and Danny Mandroyo as well came in January last season. Two excellent players that I think will probably be featuring in uh, in teams of the season come at the end of the year. Wow! Uh, again, you seem pretty happy with the the players you brought in. So that's that's good to hear. Um, well, not, not so good for here for us at least. Anyway. Um, <laughs> You've had a pretty good start to the season, haven't you? Take away that opening day defeat at Bolton, which I think didn't look that out of place when you looked at the results they got after that. Mm. Um, can you keep it up? And what are your sort of hopes, expectations for the campaign? I think we can. I think we've finally got the depth in the squad that um, allows us to maybe change games from the bench, which is something we've missed in previous years. You know, I think if we if we went one nil down in the game, we'd sort of you'd start to see heads drop and think, oh, how are we going to turn this around? And we didn't have that ability. Um, but now we've got, you know, like I say, in, in midfield, we've got Teddy Bishop, we've got Ethan Arahan, Ethan Hamilton, Ali Smith, um, and, you know, Danny Mandroyu, who primarily plays out on the wing, but can slot back into that number 10 slot if he needs mm-hmm. to. Um, we've got the ability to change games from the bench if we want to. Um, I think whether we can keep it up is, is a lot, uh, massively dependent on fitness. Um, one player that I mentioned there, Teddy Bishop. I think 
Mark Kennedy's a big fan of him. He, he says, you know, he's one of the best players in the division, and he's, um, you know, he's, he's worked with him for many, many years. I think honestly, if we could keep Teddy fit for the entire season, I think he'd just be, you know, he'd he'd be a million pound player. But unfortunately, his injury record isn't great. Um, so we have to manage that and, and hope we can get the best out of him. And at the moment, that kind of means he's been a bit of a super sub. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we can keep the, the injuries down to a minimum, because that's previously really, really hampered us, uh, then we can, you know, we can surprise a few people this season. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm one of the people that is secretly hoping um, and secretly confident. I say secretly, I'm just mentioning it on a podcast. Is <laughs> um, a little bit confident that we can sneak into the top six, um, you know, in those last few weeks. Because there's always one in there. There's always one club that yeah. just kind of finds their way in there at the end. Right, well, we're going to talk about some of the links between the two clubs now. Um, first up, um, well, let's get on to it. Dave, discuss. Now, before you answer that, I've got to say, everyone's going to hear, listen to the podcast, going to hear a clown noise there, clown car noise, because we don't, we refuse to mention his name on our podcast, but I've got to ask you about him. So if you mention his actual name, all you're going to hear is a clown car noise on the thing, so maybe use his nickname. Believe me, that's <laughs> So we know him as Reg, um, yeah. you know, for, for obvious reasons. Now, this kind of fell into this period when he was at the club. It fell into when I was on a little bit of a, an enforced hiatus um, from football in general. But like going back in and, and looking at it, he's not loved by many Lincoln fans either. But I Chakra. think the important thing, <laughs> the important thing for, for where we are at the moment is we have a... We had a very difficult period between 2011 and you know 2017 or 2016, um, and I think he was kind of um, not instrumental, but he definitely started to put the foundations down for getting us back into the football league and getting out of the national league, or you know as it was the blue square. Um, I think the biggest contribution that he made to Lincoln was the fact that he signed Paul Farman, and Paul Farman has has gone down in history as you know an absolute legend at the club during that time for us for a season as well yeah fantastic keeper absolutely love him really nice lad as well um yeah um we actually did well gary actually did a a post on the um on the on his blog recently about uh divisive managers and um the like to dislike ratio for reg was uh 39 liked him and 61 percent didn't like him so yeah is uh when you have a, you know, again, put the win percentage down there of just under 30%, it's like, wasn't the best, but, uh, you know, he's far from the worst that we've had at Lincoln, I'll say that much. Fair enough. No, yeah, he's, it, it's safe to say he's not very popular at Carlisle for, for what he did and as director of football, and a lot of people put put the blame at his feet for how much we were struggling uh, that season when Sims had to come in and save us, so... Quite, quite glad to see the back of him, to say the least. Um, <laughs> did he, did he like to take credit for everything brilliant at the Tappan View Club? Because he, 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 he tended to do when it when he signed for us. It was a press release when he was appointed into his role, which basically made out that he'd done incredible things at every single club he'd been at, which was quite remarkable. So, yeah. I mean, if on that list was signed Paul Farman, then he's probably got a point. <laughs> but that's not, that's not yeah, much else. Fair enough. <laughs> right, let's talk about players then. Lucas Jensen. How has mm-hmm. he settled in with you guys? Because we had him on loan a couple of seasons ago where he made just one league appearance and then he disappeared off the face of the earth. Even though we had him on a season-long loan, he just didn't appear in any match day squads because we had a, two permanent keepers anyway. 
and he played for like Burnley under twenty ones in a couple of games again. So like everyone was like, it was it was a long running joke on our pod of you know where is Lucas Jensen out this week sort of thing. So he seems to have done pretty well for you guys though. Absolutely. Um, if you were to if you were to have said to us at the start of the season, we're going to you know we're going to sign a, a permanent goalkeeper. Um, I think a lot of people would probably. Um, maybe say it wasn't needed because we've really managed to do well in the lone goalkeeper market over the past few years. Um, I think last year, last season, we had Carl Rushworth, for example, who's just been superb. Um, I think it's the one position that makes sense when you're talking season-long loans. Um, mm-hmm. But with you know when, when Jensen came in, everyone kind of looked at him and went, "What? Why have we signed him?" And then we saw a picture of him. And we're like, "Oh, that's why we've signed him. It's because he Take fills the goal." <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, he's. I think his distributions come under a bit of criticism, but he seems to be working on that quite a lot. Um, and other than that, he, he seems absolutely solid. Um, you know, he's kept quite a few clean sheets. Uh, I think it was five in seven games. I think uh, last time I looked, he kept clean sheets in. Um, kept a clean sheet against Sheffield United, obviously until the until the shootout. Um, and then even in the shootout, you know, managed to to save a couple there. Um, and if there's one way that you you know you want to ingra- uh, you want to you know ingratiate yourself with the fans as a as a goalkeeper, it's to save penalties in the shootout. So um, yeah, he's done that despite the uh, <laughs> the Sheffield United goalkeeper being a, a bit of a house, shall we say, and chucking his drinks bottle away beforehand because it had the names of the penalty takers on. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lucas Jensen has, has definitely been one of the signings uh, that we're really excited about so far. Yeah. Do you know that when he was younger, he, he was into mountain biking. That was his big thing, really? apparently. He, he, had, he had to decide between mountain biking and football. If you look it up, there was an oh, interview wow. he did with our official website about it when he signed. So, interesting thing okay. worth looking into that, yes. Um, it was well, quite funny, about... actually. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I say, it was quite funny when, when he signed. Um, we, we had the chance to pop down to the ground and, and meet the new signings um, and just record some little stings for the podcast. Um, and it was like, it was in the club shop, so it was a little bit busy. Um, and they said, oh, do you want to just pop into the, the little side room? So I walked into the side room and there's me at 5'11". And then we've got Ali Smith, who's six foot four. We've got Lucas Jensen, who's six foot four. We've got Rico Hackett, that's well over six foot. And I was like, <laughs> honestly, like a child just holding a microphone up to people. Oh, well, well I, I got to interview Thomas Hurley when he uh, signed for his last season. And God, he's just huge. He's just enormous. Like he shook, his, shook my hand and he crushed it. It was ridiculous. But he, my my nephew was mascot as well for a for a game. And bless him, he's only got five, and he was tiny right next to Thomas. It was ridiculous. But there you go. Um, right, well, let's talk about the player in your squad. Who? No, sorry, in our squad, I should say, who's played for you guys, and that's Luke Plange. Um, what's your thoughts on him? He seemed to have quite a tough time with you guys, but he's had a slow start with us. But Although the goals haven't come yet, I think fans are quite impressed with some of his link-up play so far. Yeah, I wish we'd seen that as well. To be <laughs> honest, um, he, you know, I I don't like to sit there and, and criticise players because I I just I realise how incredibly difficult a job they have for the you know for the time that they're on the pitch and the the abuse that they get. But he wasn't great. Um, you know, he he didn't make too many starts, and and when he came on, um, one thing that I, I really despise from our own fans is when you know people boo players um leaving the field but there was a point at which where you know Luke Luke Blanche was booed coming onto the field um it was that it was that kind of a you know a relationship it was really it felt a bit toxic um and I did feel sorry for him but the thing is if you're a striker fans expect you to score um and the fact that he'd not managed to do that in his time with us um 
was telling really i think we were you know we, we were desperate for uh, for goal scorers last season because um, we tended to rely on one or two people um but yeah when when you get somebody in um that's you know got a bit of pedigree behind them you know they've been at derby they're now at crystal palace they've signed him for a million pounds like you said earlier and it's just kind of all of that stuff and then he comes and and doesn't score between january and may you're just like yeah that that could have gone a bit better but i i don't really see what anybody else could have done i think you know no. the the play around him was fine it just kind of there was you know there was that moment when he got the ball and oh right okay he's done that with it um so yeah <laughs> it was it was a disappointing loan spell for sure yeah well um before we wrap things up and get your prediction um for blues fans it might be the first visit this weekend since all bang so what can they expect down at the ground um i think in terms of the ground itself um we've done an awful lot for the fan experience at, at lincoln mm. um I know there's there's been quite a few people that have come away from the ground as, as opposing fans and said, "Oh, blooming it, that fan zone's pretty good." So if you if you do get there, I think it, the fan zone is probably open from about it's half twelve or twelve. Um, I'm aware that's probably not likely for too many of you guys coming down from Carlisle to be arriving in Lincoln <laughs> at twelve. But um, if you do get there, you know a little bit early, uh, head to the the fan village. I think it's called now officially. Um, basically, it's. Uh, Behind the uh, behind the, the south stand, um, I can't remember what it's called, the Real Max stand or something now. Um, but basically, yeah, there's, there's food there. The, the bars outside are, you know, stocked. We've got an amazing um, craft beer and independent uh, independent bar called the Tipsy Imp. Um, nice. They have they've got an amazing selection of beers and ciders every week. So get yourself in there. Get yourself a pint from the Tipsy Imp. Um, get yourself a, a curry on a jacket potato from Curry Jacks. Um, amazing homemade curries every week really nice guys as well um and yeah in terms of the experience it's really friendly you know everyone's there to just have a good time um and like i said before everybody comes away from it from the opposition just saying oh yeah you know, they've, they've done a decent job there as uh as, as a an experience um when you're in the stadium We've had a lot of work going on recently as well. I think the back of the away stand is currently uh, under development. Um, that's going to be a, a hub for the community more than the football side of things going forward. But that's brought in a lot of uh, improvements to the ground. Like we've, we've only had one mains water supply to the ground for the past hundred years or so. So at half time, the base, the wow. toilets didn't flush, kind of thing. You know, there was no, <laughs> there was no water there. But that's that's all changed now with this. You know, the infrastructure that's come in. Um, and yeah, if you stick around, you know, head up to the top of the uh, top of the city, have a look at the cathedral, have a look at the castle, check out some of the the bars up at the top of town. Um, it's a really nice place. Uh, you know, Lincoln is a really nice city. It's, it's small, but it's uh, it's a lovely little section of the country that seems to be undiscovered by a lot of people. And some of us would keep it that way, but I'm <laughs> more than happy to to welcome people in. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Ben, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you very much. Uh, before you go, though, we need a prediction for this weekend's game. I'm going to say 1-0 um, yep. to Lincoln. I think we've got people coming back from injury now. Um, the likes of, you know, Paulie O'Connor's been been poorly for a while. Um, he missed the Sheffield United game. Got Tyler Walker, who may be back for tomorrow. Or for tomorrow, for Saturday, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of people coming back from injury, and I think confidence is just high coming off that. Um, you know, the the win away at uh, Sheffield United on penalties. Um, we've obviously not had a game this weekend, so it's 
I think there's just going to be a lot of fit and ready to go footballers come Saturday, and uh, I I can only really hope that we can build on the strong home record that we've had so far this season. I'm going to say one nil to the Imps. Ben, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. No worries, and you mate, cheers. Yeah, we're always really grateful for the time that the opposition pods give up to speak to us. So thanks once again to Ben. Um, obviously, as you'll have heard there, we talked a little bit about uh, he who shall not be named, the clown car noise man himself. <laughs> His name's obviously bleeped out in the in the bit, so you, if you're not quite sure who we're talking about, we are talking about him. Um, yeah, uh, let's talk about Lincoln City then, Mike. Um, had a quite a good start to the season, haven't they, really? After that opening day defeat against Bolton, 3-0, which didn't look that bad a result when you looked at the results that followed it. Mm. Um, since then, they're unbeaten. And, and you know, the, there's an argument maybe when you look at the teams they've played, they've not played that many of the better teams, except maybe when you look at it, Blackpool's probably the big one you look at and think that's that's a good result in terms of uh, beating them 3-0. Um, mm. But yeah, they, they, they've, they've, they've done pretty well, haven't they? Yeah, no, they have. Um, yeah, they've had a really good, solid start. I think they're probably... Because uh, I don't think, yeah, none of us certainly were picking them out for promotion or anything, were we? No. Um, but I think, yeah, they're probably, uh, I wouldn't say exceeding uh, anyone's expectations. I think they're, yeah, just doing pretty solid. Yeah, looking at their summer transfer business, what do you make of it, really? They, The one that stands out for me is Alistair Smith from Sutton. And it sounds mad because, you know, they've got some pretty good names there, like Tyler Walker, who's come back from Coventry, and even Hamilton from Akron Stanley. But I was hugely impressed with Smith whenever we played against Sutton. Mm. Uh, big uh, number eight in, in central midfield. He, he looked a really good player. And, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like Sutton might struggle to keep holding after the second season. It's been proved right, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, it seems like a, like a good addition. Um, one player that I've always been impressed with there is uh, Adam Jackson centre-back uh, he's a really really good defender at this level um, mm. he's actually got a bit of pace about him as well as been been good in the air uh, which some centre-backs is one or the other um, yeah, yeah uh, and yeah all round they've just kind of got pretty solid League One players really yeah I mean and Tyler Walker coming back to them from Coventry City is a real positive for them I don't think they expected that at all to happen Rico Hackett is someone who uh, Portsmouth were Happy to let go, and Portsmouth fans seem to think they got a really good deal from that. And actually, it turns out he's, he's doing pretty well for them. He's really impressed them by the sounds of things. Um, mm. Ethan Hamilton's a name that I'd heard linked with us if um, Owen Moxon had left to go to elsewhere during the transfer window. We potentially we were going to go and look at him. Obviously, he's ended up going to Lincoln. Um, lad who came up from Man United Academy and done pretty well at Accrington, hasn't he? So he's, he's another good mm. additional to their midfield. Yeah, and. I- you know, like I say, he's he's been playing at this level because I think he was at Peterborough before yeah. Accrington as well. Yeah. So he's been at this level for a good while and uh, it's quite a, a solid player. You know what you're going to get from him. Yeah. Um, well, we haven't touched him in much detail there, but uh, our old favourite, Lucas Jensen, he's playing for them, made himself a hero in the League Cup, didn't he? Against Sheffield United with some penalty saves in the shootout. Well, when he signed for us, we were told that he's a bit of a penalty-saving mm. specialist. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't really come as too much of a surprise that he's been he's been doing that. And he, he, he seemingly... Because uh, he's their number one, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Well, I yeah. think they were a bit surprised when he came in. They were like, well, who's this lad? Is he any good or not? Well, yeah. He did fairly well at Accrington then last season, didn't he? So I think 
maybe not a surprise that he's gone into there to be number one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, fair play to the lad, you know. He, he didn't really get his chance with us for whatever reason, I think, because we had Mark Howard, a bit of experience coming. He was always likely to be left out in the cold. Um, but yeah, he's, he's resurrecting his career and doing really well there. Um, looking through the rest of their team, um, Ben House has got a few goals from last season. He's a fairly decent striker too. And uh, I think Lassie Sorensen as well, he's someone who came in as a midfielder. He's playing as a right wing back now and apparently he's excelling mm. in that role. So he's someone to keep an eye on as well, isn't he? Mm, definitely. Um, Teddy Bishop as well. He's a good player. Um he was at Ipswich for, yeah. well, I think he came through at Ipswich and played like over 100 games for them. And then He's had a few injury on. issues. I think that's the problem, isn't it? I think that's the reason why they've managed to get him, basically, because he probably would have stayed at Ipswich longer. But I think the fact that he's had those problems means that he's had to, to come to Lincoln to try and get some game time. And yeah, Mark, well, he's 27 years old and he hasn't even played yeah. 200 games. So Yeah. I mean, you'll think that in comparison, you've got, you know, Jack Arm for us, he's 22 and he's on, what, 140 odd? Yeah. He'll probably get close to 200 at the end of the season. That's the difference, mm. isn't it, in terms of being able to keep yourself fit. And mm. Mark Kennedy's their manager. He was a coach at Ipswich Town, I think. So that's the reason, the link there in terms of bringing him in. Um, done quite a good job, hasn't he, Kennedy, this season? I think last season there was a bit of frustration with them because they were, they were drawing a lot of games, from what I remember. Mm. Um, and they finished pretty solidly in mid-table. I think their expectation levels have been raised by Appleton a couple of seasons before that, haven't they? With the fact mm. that they made the playoff final and obviously the season after that with Appleton, they dropped down to 17th, so it's a bit more of a challenge. Happens a lot, that though. Teams yeah. that make playoffs often struggle the year after. Especially a, a club of the size of Lincoln. I'm thinking mm. back to Shrewsbury Town when they did it as well. At mm. that level, they had a really tough season the season after because you end up basically getting all your players picked off. And one of the players they had that season was Brennan Johnson. You know, mm. he's now just moved to Nottingham, uh, from Nottingham Forest to Spurs mm. for forty odd million. So, you know, when you lose a player like that, it goes back to Forest. You, you're going to struggle. Aren't you? It's going to be a real challenge. So, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you look at us. You know, the last two yeah. times that we've made playoffs and not gone up, we've struggled the year after. Exactly. It, it, it becomes a challenge because you, you again, you're behind all the teams in League Two because you've been waiting to see you know where you're going to be for the following mm. season. So. That that that's the real t- uh, tough cookie with that one, but yeah, um, Kennedy seems to be doing quite a good job though, doesn't he, with them? Yeah, no, he does, um, and it, it it shows sort of why it's good to to stick with someone um, yeah. he's, as well. He's, I always remember with Kennedy; he's one of those players I always used to sign all the time on Championship Manager, <laughs> and back in the day before, it, I think it, like towards the end when it was just becoming Football Manager. I think he, at the end of his career, he was always on the left wing. Always sign him up, and he'd always be brilliant for you whenever you played. So you know, good, good player, Mark Kennedy back in the day. Um, yes. So in terms of uh, players in the United squad who've played for both teams, um, Luke Plange didn't have the most successful loan spell at uh, Lincoln City. I think it's fair to say, but I suppose it's one of those things you probably shouldn't judge too early on players sometimes because, like I said, he he's done okay actually since then for us, hasn't he? Yeah, I think. I'd I'd like to see him come on for this one personally. I think it'll probably he'll probably have a little bit more fire in his belly, um, mm. and I I think from what we've seen of him, like he looked a little bit lazy at the start, but he seems to have had a bit of a kick up the backside, and he seems to be full of running. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't object to to seeing him maybe come on off the bench after uh, whoever's starting has tired out their uh, their defence. Well, we've got basically set, there's an argument seven players. Fighting for those attacking positions, haven't we? Yeah. Really? You've got Coyote Maguire, Ablade, Garner, Plange, Edmondson, and Butterworth, basically. Yeah. 
yeah. all fighting for those places. And, and realistically, you're only going to have three attackers on the bench, probably. So, you know, two players are going to miss out. So there's a real fight for places there. And maybe that's helped spur him on a little bit, knowing that he's not going to be guaranteed that starting place. So he's got to, mm. got to fight for his place. So mm. fair play to the lad. Um, in terms of uh, referee for this weekend's game, uh, Tom Neald from West Yorkshire. He's in his seventh season as an EFL referee, having started in 2017. Uh, he's taken charge of three games so far this season, handing out 13 yellow cards and one red card. Last season, he handed out 100 yellows and three red cards in 35 games. But also, as part of a PGMOL uh, exchange program, he took charge of three second division games in Japan last season too. Mm. It's an interesting little thing, that, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Um, do you know what the last United game he took charge of was, Mike? Playoff final, the playoff final indeed. So he owes the penalty, as someone said. You know from that. Uh, yeah. Well, finish. it wasn't just that though. But I thought he had a very poor game in the playoff I thought final. He was scrappy in places. There was like knock. The, the, to be honest, the penalty. I'm still not sure. I still can't work out from because we haven't seen the full replays whether it actually did hit the player's hand or not. It's it's, it's impossible to tell from the angles. It looked to me like it was a stone. It, it looked wall. like it possibly was, but it, it's very hard to see. Um. What I'd say is that the um, the the one he didn't give against uh, when guy was hauled down basically, yeah, was was ridiculous. That was an awful decision. That, but um, but I remember as well, Mellish's booking in that game should never have been a booking. Oh yeah, and that was ridiculous. if he wasn't on a booking, he would have closed down their man for the cross that went over yeah. Holy's head and went in. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Head to head wise, uh, we played them quite a few times actually. It's a seventy fifth meeting between the two sides. Uh, United, we've not got a great record. United have won 25. The Imps have won 35. And 14 have been draws. So, yeah, not not doing the best against uh, Lincoln City. We've got a bit of catching up to do with that. Um, play for both. So, um, Dan, this season, is uh, in charge of this section. He's the one picking out um, a player each time who's played for both clubs and giving us a little profile on them. I don't know who he's picked. I never listened to these beforehand. So, who's he picked for this week? There's quite a decent list of the played for both, but uh, there was only one man who names whose name stood out, and he's, he, well, let's be honest, he's a legend, and it's uh, it's Dean Wallin, yeah. you know, the Leeds-born uh, defender. Uh, started out at Leeds in his youth career, went to Rochdale, played for two or three years, quite a few games. He then ended up in the, not many people realise this, he actually played in the Canadian Soccer League, for Kitchener Spirit, what a name that is. <laughs> I think they were only around for possibly two seasons, but uh, he had a year over there. He was also, his Wikipedia says he was at Franklin Grizzlies, which I think is some sort of US college team, but I think that was brief because uh, when he came back over here, he, uh, he landed at Geisley, and as we all know, came to Carlisle in 91 for uh, several years, you know, about 250 games, some good goals, you know, big goals at the time. Uh, actually, when he left us, went to Lincoln for a couple of years. A couple of years at Doncaster, a little bit at Northwich and Cambridge United, Gainsborough Trinity. Uh, actually, a full international too, Dino. Some people don't know this. Uh, St. Kitts and Nevis played for in the late 90s. Uh, unfortunately, not when he was at Carlisle, which, uh, you know, it's, it's not a big list of players who have been capped while at Carlisle. But, uh yeah, I mean, everyone loves Dino. He's a great fella, uh, friend of the Brunt and Bugle. Uh, Lee does need to get the interview episode sorted, hint, hint. 
But uh, yeah, that's the plate for both this week. The one and only Dino. Dino. The only choice he could have made, frankly. If he'd, if he'd picked yeah. anyone else, I would have been disgusted. I'm, I'm still Julian looking Mendes. forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to him um, picking the one for Bolton in a few weeks because if he doesn't pick Ian Stevens for that, I'll eat my hat. He's got to surely pick him at some point because he's, he's been holding off on that one for so long. Yeah. I think that there's a few options. Shrewsbury um, and Bolton are definitely two of the clubs he's played for. Cheltenham as well actually had a short spell there, so maybe he'll pick him for them. I don't know, but there you go. Um, just to go through, in fact, I might as well go through all the other names because it's not actually that long of a list. But uh, mm. Tom Anderson, who we had on loan a few years back, he played there. Derek Asamoah, he had a spell with um, Lincoln City. Uh, in terms of people who've coached and played for both, uh, Dennis Booth, I've got down here as well. He played for Lincoln during his playing career. David Browell, I didn't realise he actually had spelled that. And Patrick Ruff as well. I completely forget that he must have been on yeah. loan there, I think, at some point. Um, Darren Carr, who was an absolute animal of a centre-back, like one of the nastiest pieces of work you'll come across. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Paul Farmer, obviously, had a brilliant time with uh, with Lincoln, part of that team that got to the FA Cup quarterfinals, wasn't mm. he? Uh, Kevin Gall, Mick Galloway, Josh Gowling. Lucas Jensen, obviously you mentioned already. Richard Lybird, probably less said about him, the better. Um, Junior Mendes, as you mentioned there, Mike. Tom Miller, I think we signed him from Lincoln, didn't we? Yeah, we right did. Mm. Yeah. Um, Paul Pettinger, uh, he didn't actually play a first-team game for United, I don't think, but I think he had a spell at Lincoln where he did play a few games. Luke Plange. Kevin Rose, another one most Carla fans would rather I didn't mention. Kevin Samwith, Barry Siddle, Trevor Swinburne, who's a hugely popular figure at both clubs. Dean Walling, as I mentioned before. John Ward played for Lincoln during his uh, playing career. And Scott Willis, who was a one-game wonder in that first game of the season uh, under Roddy Collins in twenty in the twenty sorry, 2001-2002 season. So there you go. Um, right, let's talk about United then, Mike. Um, injury-wise... Ben Barkley's the only one who's going to miss out this weekend. Unfortunately, that calf injury is going to keep him out for five to six, seven weeks. Um, Max Kilsby and Kai Nijin are both out on loan at Annan. should say about their game last weekend, they lost 2-0 at home. I think it was to Peterhead in the Scottish Challenge Cup. Um should say Kai did get man of the match, though. He started the game and played most of it, I think. So fair play to the lad. Good start mm. for him in terms of uh, impressing. Um, so team selection for this one, Mike. What's your thoughts? I think go with what we had last week I think yeah. there can be no arguments with that I don't think not a question in midfield about whether McCallum or Gibson's in there I think if Gibson's fit he has to play simple as he, yeah. he's he, he's likely to create things and yeah yeah he, you just you just want him in the team I'd agree with that I think it's the only position where I would have a question over who, who you'd select there at the moment I think um, and that's not that either of them being bad I think it's just there's not a huge amount to choose between the two of them, and I can grasp why you'd play McCallum away from home. Maybe in a game like this, it's going to be maybe a bit of a scrap. Like that's where I don't think Gibson played particularly poorly against Stevenage, but it was a bit of a tough one. Mm. And maybe could have done with McCallum in there early for a bit of the scrapping side of it. But um, yeah, I'd give you. I think I'd I'd pretty much stay with the same, and you stick with Coyote and Maguire up front for a while now, don't you? I think as long as they're both fit, just try and build yeah, a partnership so. up there. Definitely. Um, subs, would you make any changes? No, uh, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I think, um, like Johnny said before, I think Ablade and Garner are your sort of go to finishers up front. Mm. And so, you know, in, we mentioned before Edmonton, well, he's behind four in the pecking order for me at the minute. Yeah, well, I could be five with um, Plange in there as well. So, well, yeah, 
Yeah, so he's, he's got a, he's got his work cut out to try and get himself back in, but hopefully he can do that soon. Uh, I've got to ask you a quick question there in terms of we, we said we'd stick with the same. What's your thoughts on the wing back so far this season? Do you think they've been as effective as they were last season? Um, for me, Armour has always been a left back playing as a wing back. Um, and yeah, I think he's a little bit, I don't want to say afraid to bomb forwards, but been against better opposition, he's a bit more cautious to bomb forwards. Um, mm. And I, I, back on the other hand, has been getting his fitness up. So that's sort of a different story there. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either of them would warrant dropping, really. No, no. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I feel like with Jack, I wonder if there's a question soon whether he maybe needs a rest. Because mm. bear in mind, I think he, he look. Well, Soon, I think you'll be getting close to what 60 70 games in a row that he's starting the league, yeah. which is a hell of a lot when you think about it, really. Yeah, and, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, he's a young lad, he'd be fit, whatever, but you, they, they can come to a point where you can get a bit of burnout and you wonder if maybe mm. a little rest at some point. I don't think we're quite at that stage, but you know, we just want to keep an eye on, I guess, isn't it? But there you go. Um, looking ahead to the next six fixtures, Mike. Um, after this one, it's a really tough run, isn't it? When you actually look, yeah, at, you've got four games in a row after that. that are, you look at it and think it's going to be a real chance to get a lot of points out of that. Derby home, Wickham away, Peterborough home, and then Bolton away. You know, no game at this level is going to be easy, is it, for us? But no. still, you look but at those. if we can get something from Lincoln, then we're going into it unbeaten in our last three games, going into the Derby game. You know, if we yeah. can get something from there, then it's unbeaten in four games, going into the Wickham game, and so on. So. Yeah, hopefully we can get something and just keep this little run that we're on going. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of that, it's prediction time. So what are you going to go for for this weekend's game? Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go for a two-one win with goals from Maguire and Garner. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go for a cheeky one-nil. I was going to go for Maguire or Garner. I couldn't decide. I think I'm going to go for Coyote though. Coyote to get the only goal in a 1-0 win. Here is Dan's prediction for this weekend's game. Another tough trip on the road. Uh, Lincoln always a difficult place to go. They've got themselves established in League One in recent years. Uh, I'd be happy with a repeat of last week and a draw. Uh, I'm going to go for one all. And I think Jordan Gibson's due his goal, uh, which would be another excellent point on the road if we got it and sets us up nicely for the big game against Derby the following week. That might be the first time that none of there's been no mm. picking the same result or same score between the three of us this for a while, but actually. Because you, you usually get at least one. So they're a nice, nice yeah. little bit of variety for once. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Right. X-Files time. Well, right. I, I was just going to say as well. Um, so obviously the predictions table, you're yes. obviously still top on five. Yeah. Dan's on two. I'm on zero. But it's worth noting as well. So we've, we've done it slightly different this year in that you get one point for a goal scorer, two points for a result, and three bonus points if you get a full house. Um and I'm still on zero. But yeah. anyway, we'll we'll move on from that. Yes, good luck to you, Mike, in getting points <laughs> before Christmas this year. Um, yeah. Right, uh, X-Files section. Not as many games this weekend, but there's still quite a few goals, actually. And there's a few other bits as well to fill in. So uh, we'll get through these now. Uh, Alex Gilead scored a late equaliser for Bradford City in their 1-1 home draw with Grimsby Town. Bradford are really struggling, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you look at this season. I, 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 
I didn't think they'd be right. I thought, you know, you know what? They'll be right up there in the playoffs again yeah, this season. Me too. They're really, really struggling. Mm. Finding tough. I watched bits of this on because it was on Sky, wasn't it? And it was not a great game of football, to put it bluntly. So I do wonder how long Hughes can last there before the natives get restless. Yeah. Potentially. Adam Campbell is having a great start to life at Crawley Town, isn't he? He, uh, yeah, he grabbed a, bra- a brace for them in their 4 1 home win over Newport County. Um, he's a weird one, Campbell, because I get, I've said this before. I was always convinced he was older than he is. I thought he was like in his early to mid 30s now. Mm. But actually, he's, he's only about 28, 29, isn't he? Mm. So, you know, he's still got a chance to have a fairly decent career at Football League level. So, fair play to the lad. Uh, here's a name that I didn't think we'd, we'd mention as a goal scorer <laughs> for a while Kenise Carroll. He scored for Oxford City in their 5-2 home win over Hartlepool United. That's a reality check, isn't it, for Hartlepool fans, that? Losing at Oxford, but not that Oxford. (laughs) Yeah. The other Oxford. Fair play. Um, Next up, this was a balmy game at Glanford Park. So Buxton uh, were beating Scunthorpe United 2-1 in injury time this game. Max Hunt, former Blues defender, he scored for Buxton. Uh, Richie Bennett scored for Scunthorpe and Connor Brown was sent off for Buxton. But the game was abandoned. Five minutes into, I think it was like nine or ten minutes of injury time, wasn't there? Yeah. And it was abandoned due to the weather. And And the weather looked mental, by the way. uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that seems a bit weird. But then you actually look at the the pictures and the bits by the dugout were practically flooding, weren't they? Yeah. realistically that it was the only decision to take by looks of it, but as it? well some bookies are refusing to void that bet off people's coupons because it went on past the 75th minute as well which well that's the rules isn't it rules mm. are rules now we know what our opinions on bookies are mate but we'll, we'll <laughs> leave them keep them to ourselves um but yeah that the, the best thing about that is uh the national league have decided that game will be replayed in full yeah it's insane <sighs> mental isn't it really but there mm. you go um dave simonton he got a brace scored twice for workington in their 5-3 win over basford united a lot of goals are working the game this season isn't there yeah i think something like an average of like four goals a game at least i think yeah certainly get your value for money yeah, definitely uh liam noble he scored a goal for morpeth town in their 2-0 home win over gainsborough trinity uh, Gavin Riley scored for Queen of South in their 3-2 win at Partick Thistle in the Scottish Challenge Cup. Good result for them, that. Mm. And we mentioned him last week as signing for them, but Brad Young, he scored a goal for the New Saints in their 3-0 win at Hibernian B in the Scottish Challenge Cup. Don't ask how Welsh team is in the Scottish Challenge Cup, but that's that's the way they do it, isn't it, I think? so. Uh, yeah. Yes, um, fair play. Uh, other news in terms of ex-players. Charlie Wyke, he won the EFL League One Player of the Month award for August. Fantastic stuff for Charlie, that. Yeah, um, I mean, Adam Campbell was named in the League Two Team of the Week in the League paper, and Mike Jones was named in the Vanarama National League Team of the Week. So that's Teams of the Week out of the way. Two internationals to tell you about, and they're both in the Caribbean. What a lovely old job this is, isn't it? Mm. Especially for Hallam Hope. Uh, Reggie Lamb, he picked up two more caps for Bermuda. The first is a sub in a nil-nil draw with the French Guyana before playing the full 90 minutes in a 4-3 defeat at St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And then Hallam Hope, he picked up two more caps for Barbados, starting in the 3-2 defeat at home to Montserrat and the 5-1 defeat in Nicaragua. So there you go. Nicaragua, I think it is. Nicaragua, is it? Oh, I don't yeah. know. I, I, got, I got piatic, right? So I'm happy with that one. That's the only one that yeah. matters this week. Yeah. I can get everything else wrong. Um, that's <laughs> it then, Mike. We've covered it all, yep. I think. It's quite a long episode, but I think we needed to cover the takeover 
potential stuff in depth, didn't we, really, at the start to Definitely. give everyone a good rundown of the stuff. So uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a review of the Lincoln City game and a look at to it. It's going to be a big game against Derby County at Brendan Park. Really looking forward to that one. And our friends, the Pietics, would be there as well, I should yes. imagine. Yes, hopefully. So we'll maybe even try and grab a bit of them, maybe. Probably not, but we're hoping maybe if, if all things go through well and the takeover happens, we'll get them on the pod and have a chat about what their plans are and stuff like that. That's, that's the hope anyway, at least. So uh, there you go. Mike, thanks for your time. Cheers. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.